Hi guys, Teens Tap In is being brought to you by St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. Hello everyone, today we are here at the Outreach Teen and Family Services office and I have a guest host here with me again. Maddie was featured on one of our first episodes, the peer pressure, um, the peer pressure episode, but she's here on the host side today. We are also excited to have Ryan Kinglesmith here as our guest. Ryan is the founder of Shape the Sky and has lots of experience in the mental health sphere. Can you tell us a little bit about your background in Shape the Sky, Ryan? Sure. Thank you for having me, I wanted to say. Uh, first of all, this sounds like a great opportunity. Uh, so I've been working with kids in the counseling profession for uh, a lot of years since Kurt Cobain was on tour, if you know who I'm talking about. So it's been a, a long time I've been working with kids. And um, I've been working with kids in different settings. And for the last 10 years, I've been working in schools in student assistance programs. And, um, you know, that's where kids can get a little extra help in schools. And uh, I just kind of noticed over the last, you know, since the advent of smartphones that, uh, you know, some of the struggles kids have have been kind of, you know, shared on social media and, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, there's mistakes being made out there. So I just started doing a lot of trainings around this to help adults kind of get caught up to the space where kids are using their technology. That's awesome. All right. So we are going to jump in here to what was formerly our fast five, but today it's just a few um, open-ended questions. Maddie, why don't you jump in with the first one? Okay. So our first question is, what is one thing that you're grateful for this week? Um, I would definitely say this gloomy Pittsburgh weather is starting to maybe get a little nicer. It was like Seven degrees yesterday, but I think it's most to snow again tomorrow. What about you, Maddie? Um, I would say I'm grateful for getting time to spend with my family this week. Ryan? I, I guess I would be grateful for soccer season has started, and I'm coaching my son's soccer team. And, uh, you know, it's good to see the little guys out there again getting ready to start getting muddy and kicking some balls around. That's so exciting. <laughs> All right. Our next question is, what is the last book you read? Um, the last book that I read was The Night Circus by Aaron Morgenstern. Um, I'm not sure what the last book I read was, but currently I'm reading um, The Secret History by Donna Tart. Ryan? Sure. You caught me off guard on this one. I, it was <laughs> called Strange Weather by Joe Hill. Joe Hill is Stephen King's son who writes books that are just as kind of neat and creepy as him. Um, but he didn't go by his King name. He created the name Joe Hill because he didn't want anybody to know that it was Stephen King's son and get a good, you know, easy book deal, basically. So he created this name Joe Hill uh, to see if he could make it on his own. And he did. And then he eventually announced himself as Stephen King's son. And you can tell it's kind of along the same line. So it's really good stuff. Oh, that's a cool story. All right, Maddie, let's go with our third one here. All right. Our last question is what's your favorite thing to do in your free time? Um, for me, I'd definitely say being outside, like in, in, in any way. I love being outside, like with my dog or with a book or um, traveling, you know, anything outside. Um, I'd say that I like to spend my free time with my friends, um, just hanging out and doing whatever. Ryan? 
Uh, I have to say I would agree with the being outdoors. I like to grab my mountain bike and go hit a trail and ride through the woods or a rail to trail, something like that. Awesome. All right. We're going to take one quick pause here and thank St. Clair Health for their generosity in sponsoring the first season of Teens Tap In. At St. Clair Health, we're always improving, building on our commitment to face the challenges of today, making an impact on the communities we serve so we can be stronger together. St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. All right, Ryan. So we kind of have you here to talk about social media with us. So I think to kind of kick us off, Maddie and I can kind of talk about our experiences growing up as social media has evolved. Um, I think we kind of grew up in a unique position because, you know, we weren't like the generation of iPad kids, really. I remember my leapfrog very fondly. Um, But so we kind of had early technology. Like I remember moving from a leapfrog to a DS. And those were really cool because you could like message people on them. So that was new. But then I think we were probably in like third or fourth grade when Instagram got really popular. I mean, I don't think anyone had a Facebook page. I just made one for like college and roommate purposes, but um, it was definitely interesting. I mean, I have an older brother, so I feel like I learned a lot of what there was to learn through him. And I mean, sometimes that was a good thing. Sometimes it wasn't a good thing, but I feel like social media, at least for me, has always been something that's kind of just like there. I mean, I have, you know, I definitely use it every day, but it's not something that I'm like frequently engaged with or, um, you know, I'm not like following new people all the time. I mostly just keep up with like my close friends on it. Um. I feel like I had maybe a little bit of a different experience than Caroline. Um, I remember I got my first Instagram account when I was nine because my best friend at the time had one and I begged my mom to get it. Um, And then the same kind of thing happened with getting my first Snapchat account. Um, I was 13 and all my friends had it and I begged and begged and begged. And finally, my mom said yes. And of course, the second I got it, my little sister, who's three years younger than I am, was allowed to and I was like you're kidding me I had to wait till I was 13 um but there was definitely a time where I was on you know social media a lot more frequently than I am now I think I've kind of stepped away I check my accounts maybe like once or twice a day but I would say compared to a lot of the kids our age I'm not really on it that much anymore um but I would say it's definitely like there's definitely more of an awareness about how it affects you now. And so I think a lot of people are starting to realize that they don't want to be on it all the time. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I was the younger sibling, so it was kind of like that for my brother. Like when he got something, it was kind of like I was just shortly there behind him. Um, So I guess I was early to some of the trends but I mean I still never really like 
made it a big part of my life. Um, there were definitely, like, especially, say, during quarantine. I mean, that was the my way of, like, really keeping up with what people were up to. Um, especially, like, Snapchat, which is, like, bigger for communicating than Instagram, I guess you could say. And then in the last couple of years, my guilty pleasure has really become TikTok. So, I mean, all these platforms have had such different roles, I feel like, in our life. I mean, people aren't really, at least the kind of TikTok content that I engage with isn't like influencer content, whereas like Instagram, you know, you're seeing the perfect parts of people's lives. And then on Snapchat, you know, I mainly use it to communicate with my friends. So that's been my experience with it. Um, And I think I'm definitely very lucky to say I've never had a like a social media or technology horror story really at all. I mean, I think kind of, you know, keeping it in its box in my life and not letting it become such a huge part of, you know, my engagement has really like helped with that. I think my parents were there for a lot of, um, you know, useful learning uh, trials and tribulations, like making sure that I wasn't engaging with the wrong people and um, making sure that, you know, I was um, being careful with the content, both that I was consuming and that I was putting out. So I feel like in that sense, um, my parents have always been understanding of like, you know, yeah, kids are getting phones. So how can I make sure that, you know, my kid doesn't feel totally left out while at the same time keeping them safe? Yeah, I would say that when I was allowed to get to social media, there were lots of rules at first, um, you know, it was, you know, make sure you have a private account. And I still do have a private account. So I control, you know, who follows me, who gets to see my um, page and my content and anything that I post. Um, And then, you know, my mom always taught me a lot about being safe and making sure you know who you're actually talking to. And if someone, you know, requests to follow you, and it's a name you recognize, like make sure it's actually that person and not someone who's just posing to be someone that you may know. Yeah. Well, Ryan, that was a lot of talking for us. So one of our first like formal questions for you is how do you think adults' attitudes and kids for that matter, uh, their attitudes towards social media and technology have changed throughout the tech revolution of the last 10 to 15 years? Well, I, I think as far as the adults, I think it comes into uh, play as like how old were you when technology happened to you? Uh, you know, if you're an adult right now and, uh, you know, you got your first iPhone when you were 16, you know, and now you're like, let's say 26, you're going to look at it a whole lot different than the person that got their first, first iPhone when they were like 40, right? So, uh, you know, I think the younger you are, um, a couple things, the more easily 
you are to engage this because pretty much, you know, anything that's in the world when you're born is kind of normal and ordinary. Like what's the big deal, right? Uh, you know, but anything that gets invented when you're older, this is a quote, by the way, from F Frederick Douglass that came out of a, a book he wrote um, back in the day. Uh, I think it's the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but, or a different book. But anyway, you know, there's kind of three stages of, you know, your response to technology. Anything that's in the world when you're born is kind of normal and ordinary. You know, so for somebody who, uh, you know, my kids, for example, you know, an iPhone's always been around. So for them, it's not a big deal. What's the big deal? Um, the people who were born, you know, kind of into technology in a way that it, it developed when they were young adults, 15 to 25, 35, and all this technology came out, you know, they embraced it and they jumped on it and they made a living out of it. Think about it, like Mark Zuckerberg, you know, he grabbed hold of it when it was coming out and he's like, I made Facebook, Twitter, you know, think about all the, you know, Google, all of these people that, you know, jumped right on board and embraced it because they're at the right age, but they're also old enough to make a career out of this. Uh, but then think about people who, uh, you know, were older when technology came around, a lot more hesitation to get involved in it because, you know, I don't need this. I don't have time for this. You know, what's the big deal? I still like doing things the old way. So as a parent, any of those three categories, because that first category, if you're, you know, we're 17 when the iPhone came out and you got one and you're 27 now and you have, you know, maybe a eight year old child, your, your ability and willingness to engage with your kids and teach them through technology is going to be way different than somebody who's just staying out of it. They don't want involved in it. Yeah, I think that's, um, sorry, <laughs> really insightful. Um, you know, there are so many, everyone was at a different stage of life and, you know, has like their first memory of technology. And, you know, for me, whether that's my primitive leapfrog or, you know, when I could start to message and play Mario Kart with my friends on DS, um, I think it's sort of like, one of those things, you know, how did it become a part of your life and when did it become a part of your life? And I think, like you were saying, depending on where you were at, um, you know, what was going on in your life, how old you were or how, um, you know, how maybe like what your job, how your job was affected by technology. I think all those things sort of contribute to people's attitudes towards it. And I think, too, that people have to remember, you, you, I try to stay as relevant as I can. I work in a high school t uh, three days a week, right, and a middle school and elementary school. I'm hearing the stories all the time. So I hear about the latest thing, and I, that's what I do in my trainings is bring adults the latest thing. Uh, but I think, you know, for let's say your, uh, your parent who's, um, you know, got engaged 10 years ago in social media, let's say maybe, you know, uh, Instagram came around, I think in 2012. So let's say that they were like 15 and they got Instagram in 2012. You know, you kind of have to progress with it through the, the time because Instagram 2012 is a whole lot different than what Instagram looks like now. Right. But if you're still in the mindset, oh yeah, I had Instagram when I was a kid. Well, there's different stuff on there. There's different influencers. It's being used different. There's marketing on it. There's people trying to make a business out of this where 2012, it was just posting pictures of your food and putting a nice filter on it, right? Mm -hmm. It was a whole lot different. So how it's used, you can't stay in, in, in your frame of reference from when you used it. And I think that's very important for parents when they're with kids is like, Hey, if you want your kids to be on Instagram, you should be on Instagram to know what the current trends and how it works. If you want your kids to be on TikTok, you know, you should be on it and understand how it works. Same thing with Snapchat or any of this stuff. You don't have to use it at the level the kids do, but know how it works, how it functions, the, the, the 
influencers that are on there, what's going on, the appropriate content, the inappropriate content, and then you have to see if that matches your family's values and at what age it's okay for you to allow your children on that. You know, I have, you know, second graders on TikTok, right? And like second, you know, when I talk to high school girls like yourself, high school kids, they're not too keen on second graders being on TikTok because they just don't think it's a good thing. But, you know, I think it's the, I just didn't know what I didn't know when, you know, parents aren't engaged with TikTok themselves. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, as a teenager, it's kind of hard to um, get older generations to grasp our perspective on social media. Like one of my, um, like one thing that comes to mind is the big congressional hearing that was happening, you know, with what's now branded as meta, but like about Facebook and Instagram and the one, um, I guess it was probably a representative. He was, you know, like berating this poor woman from Facebook, asking her, will you commit to ending Finstas? And he said it like three times. And I think, you know, Finstas are, it's not like a service they offer. It's kind of a way that people just engage with Instagram, like a separate account for your close friends. And I think, you know, just seeing that kind of understanding makes it harder to, or that kind of misunderstanding makes it harder to um, want them to understand. Like if, you know, if we're, if this is, the perspective we're going to have on it, then at what point is, you know, bringing these generations to understanding a sort of lost cause. No. And I, I agree. So like, you can't end a Finsta cause it's not really an app. It's a behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like how the kids use it. You know, you have your fake Instagram. Right. And I haven't even really heard that term in a long time. So, um, you know, I'm not sure if kids are really still claiming them to be Finstas or spam accounts or whatever, but it's, it's really the behavior. I tell parents all the time, like if you did a Google search for dangerous apps, you know, that freaks parents out. Dangerous apps, dangerous apps. They ask me, hey, you're going to talk about dangerous apps, right? And I'm like, do Google search for dangerous apps. You're going to get like a half a million responses. But there's no app that's really dangerous. Like Instagram isn't dangerous. Uh, But it's the behaviors on it that could turn dangerous. So if I get on Instagram and post a picture of my driver's license, that's a risky behavior that could turn into a dangerous situation. Now you know where I live. It wasn't Instagram that did that. You can't beat the app up for that. It was the person's behavior. So I always talk to parents about, let's understand the behaviors. And if you're going to allow your kid to use Instagram, that's fine. But maybe you don't want them to create this, you know, separate account to Finsta, so to speak, right? Then you have to talk to them about the behaviors and being responsible with that. Yeah, so kind of um, to build off of what we were just talking about, uh, Maddie, you want to take this one? Yeah, so our next question is, um, from the perspective of a teen, sometimes it kind of feels like adults have a misunderstanding of what social media actually is, and then therefore they have an automatic aversion to it. So how can we best change this like generational apprehension and make you know adults more understanding of what it is? Yeah, so I think that's, that's hugely important that we, we bridge this gap. Um, you know, I use this example all the time. Like if you turn 16, well, okay. When you guys turn 16, let me ask you a question. The person who taught you how to drive a car, do you guys, do you guys drive? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, the person who drove, taught you how to drive a car, 
did they know how to drive a car? Yes. <laughs> would, would you take a lesson from somebody that has no idea how to work that? No. no. Right. So absolutely. You need to know, uh, parents need to know, you need to be a little bit of a part of this, right? Kids will, t because you have the knowledge to work it and we have the wisdom to behave on it just because we've been around the planet a few more times, right? Uh, or around the sun a few more times, right? But you know how to work it better than we know how to work it, but we know how to use our wisdom to behave on it better than how to work it. So we have to bridge that gap, right? And like I tell parents all the time, like, listen, if your kid wants you to be involved in this and is excited about you, you know, being part of this, or at least a little bit moderately interested, embrace that and don't turn away from it because that just fuels that aversion for kids wanting to tell adults, you know, a, a huge chunk of their life. I ask the kids all the time when they get off the bus, you know, how was your school day today? Because I want to be, I want to know what's going on. And they don't have to tell me everything, obviously, but like, just tell me how life's going. How's band going? How's soccer going? How's school going? How's your friends going? Right. But like a huge chunk of your lives as teenagers is your digital life, right? We can't pretend that that's not part of it. Uh, so we need to be in there and, and involved and bridging that gap between wisdom that we have, the knowledge you have is crucial. And I think us adults have to push that narrative a little bit because, uh, you know, I, I feel like teenagers aren't going to offer that up if they offer that up, if they think adults are just going to be like having this aversion to it. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with that. Like that's, I'm an old cranky person. I don't want to deal with technology. Right. Um, but you know, we, we, we can't be like that. Yeah. I think, um, a big part of that is like, I don't think any kid downloads apps like TikTok or Instagram or Snapchat with intentions of, you know, engaging with, I mean, this was a few years ago, but like say the Tide Pod Challenge. I mean, no one gets on there to be like, okay, what dangerous trend can I do today? But once you're, you know, engaged enough with the platform, then, I mean, you start to build sort of like immunity almost to um what is or you start to lose sight of like what is well-intentioned content versus what is you know being put out there to um just see like you know what stupid bandwagon will kids get on next but you know like I said I don't think I think uh, adults need to understand that, um, you know, kids are so engrossed in the platform and the app and the content uh, that they sort of lost sight of what they're engaging with until it, and then it's too late. I mean, they've, you know, swallowed a tablespoon of cinnamon or eaten a Tide Pod. I mean, I think it's, you know, a sort of, process to get to that point well and that's a good example of the tide pod thing right that's a good example of like the disconnect between kids and adults uh i was a, at a, a doing a, a presentation um that i was asked to speak at on this board and there's like 200 educators in the room like teachers and the thing came up with like what about all the kids eating tide pods and i was like okay how about this i said raise your hands if you heard of kids eating tide pods and they all raised their hands right and i said okay put your hands down now raise your hands if you know of a kid that ate a Tide Pod and nobody, <laughs> nobody put their hands up, right? Mm -hmm. And they're educators. They're around hundreds of kids a day and none of them knew anybody that ate a Tide Pod. But if somebody is willing to eat a Tide Pod and put it on YouTube, kids are willing to go watch that, 
right? But kid, we we have to give kids credit that they're smarter than through eat a tie pod, right? That they but right. they're more willing to watch somebody. But the narrative is like kids are all eating tie pods, and we as adults just have we, we got to stop this. And I'm like, but it's not happening, right? We have to we. Uh, my wife calls this uh, chew and spit, right? Whenever you know you see something on social media, we need to teach our kids to chew it up, chew it up, and spit out the bad stuff. Like there's so much out there, you have to learn to be, uh, you know, really intelligent with what you see. Chew it up. You're going to see stuff and then spit out the bad stuff. Like, hey, yeah, there's people eating Tide Pods. I'm not doing that. My friends aren't doing that because that's just kind of dumb, right? So you have to spit out the bad stuff. Yeah, I think it's sort of the concept of, like, catastrophizing. Like, you know, millions of flights go well each day, but the flight that crashes is what gets on the news. So, I mean lots of kids engage fairly harmlessly with social media, but then kids start doing things like eating Tide Pods or engaging with uh, like the blue whale challenge or, you know, um, swallowing cinnamon. And those few kids that aren't making wise decisions sort of become the brand for this whole generation of kids that are on social media and, um, you know, it just creates this bigger problem for kids that hadn't been using it for things like that. Yeah. And we as adults need to recognize that and give you guys credit, right? Because, uh, you know, you are using it for the most part wisely. The kids I meet with and the struggles I see, I see kind of the ugly side of it. So, you know, I, I when I'm teaching parents, I, I help them understand what the ugly side is so they can avoid their kids getting to the ugly side. You know, prevention is a big thing. Uh, I think when it comes to like healthy eating and exercise, you take care of your body, but we also need to do prevention work around what our kids are being exposed to uh, on social media and and teach them to chew and spit it out. All right. We're going to take one more pause to thank St. Clair Health for their first year of sponsorship before we cut to our last question. At St. Clair Health, we're always improving, building on our commitment to face the challenges of today making an impact on the communities we serve so we can be stronger together by creating reliable resources that recognize all of our neighbors with access to the highest quality health care, advanced care close to home, and a shared humanity that delivers on our joint vision to create a healthier community for all. St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. Okay, many kids see their parents' supervision as overbearing, especially with the introduction of, um, say, iPhone functions like Screen Time and apps like Life360. Uh, For those of you that don't know, Life360 is sort of a tracking app that parents can put on kids' phones that, you know, will show them where their kid is, when their kid is, you know, getting home or getting to school, if their kid's in a car, how fast is the car moving? Um, It's a lot of details like that for the parents. But uh, our question for you, Ryan, is how can parents and their kids reach an understanding of each other's needs while maintaining respect for each other and each other's boundaries? Sure, absolutely. I get asked this a lot, and I think it's a really critically important thing to be thinking about and hitting it from the right end that will help both kids and parents, right? So it's kind of funny that you put out Life360 on there. I was talking to a kid a couple of years ago in 10th grade, and you know, she said, oh, I was out this weekend, but my mom knew where I was at because she has Life360. 
And I said, oh, but uh, do you know do you know how to get around that? And she's like, yeah, I just turn it off or I do this and this and this. She said, when you put those things on our phone, it makes us smarter. And I said, please explain. And she said, and you're both nodding. Uh, and she said, well, when you put those on there, it, we learned the technical skills to turn it off or evade it, right? And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, that's that's fair, right? So, um, you know, I think it starts at a young age, having those conversations about responsible use. Uh, my kids started with the leap pads just like you did, right? And then we moved through these little MP3 players. And then we have the family iPad, right? And we got that probably when they were like six and eight. Now we call it the, the keyword here is the family iPad. Uh, that way it's not his or hers, right? There's no possessiveness. And we taught them through a slow process how to use it, be responsible, play age-appropriate games, right? And now they're starting to text a couple of friends that we've, uh, you know, approved of. And they know that we can go back and check their messages. We, we don't check all of their messages, but just a spot check here and there. And they're totally fine with that. My daughter got an iPod touch, right? So, you know, we didn't want to jump into the smartphone uh, quite yet. She's 13. She's doing a great job. She's very responsible. She uses the screen time. Like I, I don't check it, you know, overview her screen time. I, I tell her, I said, listen, kiddo, why don't you jump on screen time and, and see what you, what you did this week, this week or this day. Right. And she'll tell me, and, I'm, and I said, you know what, what do you think is a good assessment for time? Because you're using a couple of minutes on the bus, a couple of minutes at lunchtime, a little bit after school to message one of your friends. What do you think add that all up is appropriate for the day? And she said, probably about an hour. And I'm like, that's fine. I said, so it's on you. Just keep you check your screen time to make sure you're staying within those limits. I don't go on there and say, you've been on there for 63 minutes. You went over it, right? I don't like nitpick like that, but it's on her. She needs to be responsible. We need to have that dialogue. And, uh, you know, as you grow older, it's just this evolution built into, you know, being responsible and the monitoring. The older she gets, the more responsible she is, the less I have to monitor. And then she's more likely to come talk to me because I'm not just looking over her shoulder with everything she does. Like, I don't go to every event she has at school or color guard or, or dance, you know, and monitor what she does. I have to rely upon her responsibility. And I started that from a young age. On my website, I have a couple things that can help parents with that. I have a pledge. Uh, on shapethesky.org, there's a pledge parents can use with maybe elementary school kids that, uh, you know, they just go on and read it with kids. There's seven seven pledges on there. The first one, for example, is I will use technology with integrity. And integrity means doing the right thing even when nobody's looking, right? So they go through, they take this little pledge, they click the little button on the website, right? And then they get this certificate that has the pledge. So it's kind of official, makes them feel like they're, you know, starting to use technology responsibly. This could be used for like a family device or school school devices, right? But as they get older and then they own a device, I have a contract that's on the website that helps parents. Uh, the first two pages are how to talk to kids about this, not be overbearing and why you're talking to them about this. And then the second two pages are like the bullet point, you know, expectations like, what are we doing about school? Are you allowed to take it? If you are, like, we follow the school rule, rules. Uh, you know, where is it to be kept? Who's paying for it? What times are you allowed to use it? You know, just like the simple, like, agreements that you have about this. And part of that is not being overbearing, but part of it's throwing responsibility on the kids. Because the older you get, the more responsible you are. And we need to recognize that. Yeah. Um, Ryan, you were talking about, you know, your policies with your own children. I feel like my parents have um, really raised me in a similar way. I mean, the thing you were saying about um, Life 360, like, I don't think helicopter parents create well-behaved kids necessarily. I mean, of course, you can have, um, you can have families that 
work under that dynamic, but I think for the most part, strict parents create sneaky kids. Like your kid, if you, you know, ban your kid from, if you give your kid a 10 o'clock curfew, that doesn't mean they're going to, you know, they might come home at 10 p.m., but then are they going to, you know, sneak out of the house later? Or I have friends that have Life360 and they'll tell me about um, what kids call like location spoofing, where you can like log in to it on another device and leave that device at wherever you're supposed to be. Or, you know, parents that have screen time limits on their kids' phones. I know some kids that even have uh, what we call trap phones or ghost phones like that, you know, might not even have a SIM card in it, but so that the kid can be on Snapchat after, you know, 930 at night. I think I've been very lucky that my parents have shown um, my brother and I respect for, you know, our boundaries and our um, decisions. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I've never had like a set curfew. I've never had to charge my phone um, downstairs. I've never had screen time on my phone. And, you know, my brother and I have never given my parents a reason to not trust us. So when there's that mutual understanding and that mutual respect, I think, you know, I'm not going to give them a reason to not trust me because I like the way that we get along in this regard now. I totally agree with you. I mean, it sounds like, you know, they're doing the things that we're doing and I'm I'm glad to see it works because you're a little bit older than my daughter. So that means it will work. Right. And uh, you know, the other thing is kind of funny. You said about, uh, you know, strict parents create sneaky kids. Uh, when I was talking to the girl that told me about how to turn off Life360 and it makes her smarter, you know, uh, when you put these things on your phones, the next comment she had was, you know, strict parents create sneaky kids. Like, so it's kind of, it's very true. And there's so many ways to be sneaky with technology that is, is far past, uh, you know, what we had growing up or our abilities to be sneaky around our parents. So great work there. All right. Well, I think that's all we have for content today. I'm going to go ahead and thank St. Clair Health one more time for being our first annual sponsor. At St. Clair Health, we're always improving, building on our commitment to face the challenges of today, making an impact on the communities we serve so we can be stronger together. St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. And I want to thank all of our listeners again for our support. Uh, I just checked back in on our stream count, and I think we're at about 500 or approaching that number. So keep sharing, keep listening. Um, Even if you listen, if you share with about two people, we can create sort of our own fun little pyramid scheme of, (laughs) you know, making people listen to our podcast. Um, As for happenings here at the outreach office, uh, we are still recruiting for our youth advocacy committee, which is essentially the program that will be taking over Sid and I's spots since we're both off to college in the fall. So this is a great opportunity for teens and um, 
middle school and high schoolers and even local college students that want to make a difference in their community and promote mental wellness. Uh, it's a great opportunity to use your voice in an effort to broaden outreach missions to reach your peers in the community we serve. Um, Sid and I have gotten to do some really awesome things with this position. We've spoken at school board meetings. Obviously, we started a podcast. We get to speak at the outreach board meetings and attend, you know, lots of fun events and really be involved with a meaningful cause. So if this sounds like something you or someone you know is interested, you can go ahead and apply by going to Outreach's website, clicking on Programs, then Youth Advocacy Committee, and there will be a QR code that you can scan that will take you right to the application. Um, Ryan, thank you so much for coming. We value your insight. And, you know, I was looking at your website just yesterday, and I think there are a lot of great resources to sort of reach this understanding dynamic across, you know, generations from parent to kid. Um, So, you know, on behalf of teens, thank you for the work you're doing to help our parents understand and to help us be smarter consumers all right well thank you thank you for having me it was a pleasure and maddie thanks for guest hosting with us thanks for having me as well The views and opinions expressed in the Teens Tap-In podcast represent the opinions of the hosts and their guests. The views and opinions expressed by Outreach Teen and Family Services employees, donors, and volunteers are their own and do not necessarily reflect the view of Outreach Teen and Family Services or the show's sponsors. The content here should not be taken as counseling advice. The content here is for informational purposes only and because each person is unique Please consult your mental health provider or physician for any mental health counseling or other medical questions. The podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including, but not limited to, establishing a standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast. If you find any error in any of the content of the podcast, please contact us at podcasts at outreachteen.org. Outreach Teen and Family Services, its sponsors, donors, and partners expressly disclaim any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages whatsoever arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, reliance on, or inability to use this podcast or the information presented in this podcast. Please go to www.outreachteen.org to see the complete notice and disclaimer for the podcast episodes.